call it a retreat, but I don't really like that word. Because retreat means go backwards, right? So I call it a regional advance. Because I came back ready to advance some stuff. Ready to move forward in some stuff. Go with me to Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. We had a great time. We were refreshed and recharged and... Uh, God spoke some great things to us and it came at a great time. Uh, for those of you that have been with us for a while, you know that we're gearing up for our five-year anniversary celebration. This is a season of celebration for us. We're looking back on all the things that God has done and looking ahead to all the things that God will do. If you're new with us and uh, maybe you haven't even joined with us, we've got a vision partnership uh, class coming up this very weekend, Saturday the 17th, and um, so if you haven't yet joined and connected with the vision here at Anchor Faith Church, we would love to have you, love to have you join us. Uh, if it's something that you're praying about, if it's something you already know God's calling you to do, uh, or if you're just saying, hey, I just need some more information, I need to know what you guys are about, what uh, God has called you guys to do, and how I can be a part of that, there's a sign-up sheet in the back if you would be uh, gracious enough to give us an advance warning of your arrival uh, so that we can prepare food and uh, child care and all that good stuff. We've got child care. We've got lunch covered. Uh, we took care of all the excuses. And um, we get out at 12 o'clock, so you still have the whole rest of your day. Uh, but we uh, just are honored. My wife and I do the class. It's one of our favorite things to do. We love communicating the vision of this church and uh, the, it's our heart, it's our passion, it's not just my occupation, it's not just what I chose to do for a living, it's what we're called to do. And um, so we would love to have you join us, sign up in the back after service, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you this weekend. Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to read a familiar passage, you guys have heard this before I'm sure, but we want to take a look at it and kind of break it down today. Verse 12, verse 12, Paul is writing, and he says, not that I have already attained... Or am already perfected? Anybody still trying to attain? And anybody still trying to be perfected? Amen. If you're perfect in here, you're probably at the wrong place uh, because you're surrounded by a bunch of imperfect people and you've got an imperfect person holding a microphone preaching to you today. Uh, But we are all trying to attain and we're all trying to be perfected. But, he says, I press on. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I, I find it interesting that he says one thing I do, but then he lists two things. But if you look closely, you'll actually find out that reaching ahead means you have to leave behind. Amen. Reaching ahead means you have to. It's the same motion. It's the same motion. He's not saying, I'm going to leave all this stuff over here, and then I'm going to come over here and go after all this. But the same motion of leaving behind is helping me reach ahead. Look at your neighbor. Say, I'm reaching ahead. All right. Now look at the other neighbor and say, but I'm leaving some stuff behind. All right, so we're, we are forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things 
which are ahead. Verse 14, I press toward. I feel like in our world today, we've got a lot of people pressing, but they're not pressing toward something. Amen. A lot of effort, a lot of work, a lot of busyness, a lot of schedules. Days are full, weeks are full, months are full, but are we pressing toward? I press toward what? The goal. The goal. That means I'm aiming at something. I've got an end result in mind. I I know what I'm shooting for. I've got a goal in mind. Pressing toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He continues on in verse 15. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. And he wraps up here in verse 16. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. The title of my message today is very simple. It's actually a question. It's a form of a question. I like asking questions. Asking questions means you haven't figured it all out. As long as you keep yourself in a posture of asking questions, you're letting yourself know, I haven't figured all this out. I've got more learning to do. Anybody got more learning to do? Uh, uh, One of the greatest qualities you can have uh, as a believer in the kingdom of God is you remain a learner. It's what we call remaining teachable. We're we're constantly growing. We're constantly developing. I need to add to what I've already gained. I need to continue to add no matter how long I've been in church. You you know, maturity is not a result of... Of, of age. Maturity is not a result of time. And I'll say this. The maturity is not a result of information. It's not a result of what you know. Anybody know anybody that knows a lot of stuff. But they don't do any of it. Like they, they, they know. Right from wrong. They, they know how a grown up should act. But they don't apply it. They don't live it. Therefore uh, uh, they're, they're missing out. No maturity is a result of what you do. What you do, they will take your license away whether you know how to drive or not. It's a matter of do you, can you actually do it? Can you apply it? Can, can you quit running into stuff? Right? Can you drive on the right side of the road? Amen. Can, can you follow the speed limit? If you continue down a pattern of not applying what you know, right? There, there's, there's never been a cop that's let anybody off because you knew what the speed limit was. Right? Oh, yeah, I know it's 60. Oh, okay, cool. Just wanted to make sure you knew. You're going 85, but just wanted to make sure you were aware that it's 60. Good to go. Have a great day. No, that's not. Why? you got to apply what you know. Maturity is the result. Look, growing, growing old is inevitable. Growing up, that's optional. Growing old is inevitable. Growing up is optional. And so we need to grow up. Amen? We, gotta, we have to grow up. We've got to become mature. But uh, that's not what I'm talking about today. So I just took you down that path. Hope that little nugget helps somebody. The title of my message today is very simple. What did you expect? What did you expect? Anybody ever ask somebody that? Well, what did you expect? You were speeding. What did you expect? You were going to get a ticket. You, you, you were, uh, uh, um, you know, you didn't study. So why did you expect to pass? Right? What did you expect? And, and, and I want to get us in this thought process as, as we're entering 
uh, you know, our church's five-year celebration of expectation. Expectation. And expectation uh, is engineered and, and expectation is moved by vision. Vision. I usually take this time of year between August and September to cover vision. Vision is actually one of our our uh, core values. It's our number one core value here at the church. We have seven of them, in case you didn't know. You can walk through this hallway and you can see what our core values are. That means this is what we believe and this is how we believe God has called us to enact the vision of igniting the city, impact the nation, and influencing the world. And, and vision, vision is one of our main core values. You know that you don't go anywhere without vision. We don't get anywhere without vision. I heard someone recently quote a statement that said, when you don't have vision or when you don't know where you're going, you'll take any road. You'll follow any path. And, and you, there's probably some people in this room, I know that there's been times in my life where I followed paths uh, that were destructive for me because I didn't have a vision. I didn't know where I was going, so I, I, I took a path that I thought would lead me down. And, you know, that's the way a lot of people are living in this world today. They have no vision. They have no vision. Vision is what's in front of you, not what's behind you. Vision is what is in front of you. But the thing about vision is vision is not what you currently see. So that means you have to see differently than other people see. If you're going to live a life of vision, got a lot of college students over here. They're, they're in a, a formidable part of their life, and they've got to have a vision. Otherwise, you, you, you know that when you don't have vision, you'll, you'll do what everybody else is doing. You know, we just got back from a minister's event this past week. And I had an opportunity to share with about 75 pastors in the room. And, and, and you know, I've only been doing this, you know, five years here in Valdosta. I don't have it all figured out. But I do know one thing. We are where we're at today because of vision. Period. And, 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 and there is a thing in church culture that you can run to every conference and you can listen to every podcast and you can, you can follow every leader and you can uh, purchase every audio uh, or, 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 or CD set that there is. But at the end of the day, I've got to determine what our vision is for this church because if I don't determine that, I'll just start copying and applying what everybody else is doing and it won't work here. The reason why it looks so good over there is because it worked for them, but it might not work for me. The reason why uh, their family is successful, the reason why their marriage is successful is because they are applying the vision for their life and for their marriage and for their family. And now if you try to say, oh, man, we need to do that. We, we, should, we should go there. We should apply this. And you think it's automatically going to work. You're wrong. Because vision is specific for you. So we've got to gain clarity in, vision. in fact, if you look over in Philippians chapter 1, we're just going to stay in Philippians today. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul shows us that even God follows this example. He says in verse 6, you've seen this before, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will what? Complete it until the days of Jesus Christ. Look at how the, the New Living reads. 
The New Living reads uh, this way. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. If you don't have a vision, how are you going to know when you're done? If you don't have a vision, number one, we don't know where we're going. Number two, you don't know when you get there. You won't know when you've arrived. You don't know when you have finished or completed. Not even God has started something without first getting the end result. Let me say that again. Not even God started something without first getting the end result. When did God call Abraham a father of many nations? After all of us were here? After Isaac was born? No, he called Abraham a father of many nations when he was beyond childbearing years and was married to a barren wife. Why? Because you ever heard the term, I call it how I see it? I call it how I see it. God calls it how he sees it. But he sees something that nobody else sees. It's called vision. He gave Abraham a vision. When he showed up in that burning bush to Moses, he gave Moses a vision. He's talking to a man that's scared. He's talking to a man that's running. He's talking to a man that, that's herding sheep and running from Egypt, has no desire to go back and save his people, save the Hebrew nation. He tried that, ended up killing somebody, and ran for his life. It's been 40 years out in the wilderness tending sheep, and then God shows up in the midst of a burning bush and says, you are the deliverer. And Moses says, you got the wrong bush. You meant to go down there. And then even, you know, Moses does like you and I do, starts giving them all the reasons why it won't work. I can't even talk. I, I, I can't, you know, you know, I stutter too much. Well, good, I'll get your brother. What else you got? You know, he's just going on down the line. If you want to make God mad, tell him all the stuff you can't do when he says you can do it. Amen. But God is, God is moved by vision. Hebrews 11.6 tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. What's faith? Faith is believing in what you cannot see. If you can see it now, it's not vision. If you can see it now, if you can put your hand on it today, if it's currently evident in your life, it's not vision. God is always living in what you cannot see. This, I'm just giving you some overview of vision. Overview of vision. Look at this in the Amplified of Philippians 1.6. I'm convinced. Anybody convinced today? God is convinced of his word. He's not doubtful. He's not hopeful. He's not wishing. He's not, you know, maybe it'll work out. No, he says, I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. This is God. Your life is in God's hands. And he's already declared a vision for your life. We had our leadership team meeting last night, and we are just kind of reviewing some vision stuff. Because the Bible says, where there is no vision, my people perish. 
They don't perish for a lack of weapons. They don't perish for a lack of, 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 of uh, you know, having all the resources. You understand you could be resourced and you could have everything you need. And I'm going to tell you right now, you have everything you need. You have everything you need. But even in the midst of, of lack and even in the midst of destruction, God still has a vision for your life. And he's convinced that it'll work. So I guess we ought to be convinced, huh? If he's convinced that he's going to complete it in the end, then we ought to be convinced that he's going to complete it in the end. Amen. So vision is the end result. We're currently reading a book as a staff, and they gave this great example that uh, Walt Disney's, you all know who Walt Disney is, and his, his wife and, and uh, another gentleman that I guess was close to them, they were standing out some years after Walt Disney had already passed away. And they're standing out looking at one of the parks that they have. And the gentleman said, man, if only he were here to see this. And his wife responded without even turning her head, and she said, oh, he did see it. That's why it's here. Isn't that interesting? What do you see that's not currently here? What does your marriage look like that maybe it's not reflecting that today? What is your finances? What's your vision for your financial situation? What, what, what's, the, what's, what's the vision for the outcome that you know God has desired for you, God has called you to do, but that you don't see it? The vision coming to pass relies on you to keep it in front of you. Keep it your focus. Amen? The vision coming to pass relies on your ability to keep it in front of you. So I want to look at a few things here in um, going back to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 and um, verse, let's see, where do we want to start? Let's start with uh, verse 13. It says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. It means I'm not done yet. But one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, we identify that that was one action, one step. He said, the one thing I do, I forget what's behind and I reach for what's ahead. The first point I have for you today is your outlook determines your outcome. Your outlook determines your outcome. What is Paul talking about in this verse? He's saying it's where you give your attention and your focus that determines where you end up. Where you give your attention and your focus determines where you end up. Your outlook determines your outcome. Now, Paul is writing this not from a church, not from a big mansion, not from his home. Paul is writing this from prison. This whole chapter, this whole uh, book of Philippians is written to the church of Philippi from prison. I mean, it doesn't get any worse than that. He's on trial and he doesn't know what the outcome will be. He even has 
an opportunity, I believe it's in uh, chapter 2, where he says, look, I'm betwixt between these two things, either to go on home and be with the Lord or to be with you, but it's better for me to be with you. And he's not saying, I hope that I die. He's not like in the pits, but he's saying, man, I do desire the presence of the Lord. I do desire to be there with him, but I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. And so what is Paul saying? He's saying that in spite of your circumstances, you can still have a positive outlook for what God has ahead of you. Your outlook determines your outcome. It is difficult to believe in what it can be when you are still looking at what it has been. It is difficult to believe in what it can be when you are still looking at what it has been. Look, we've all got a past. We've all got issues. We've all got things that we've been through, going through, and there are things that are coming ahead that you will uh, persevere and push through then as well. But the past has never been a determining factor for your future. Your past has never been a determining factor for your future. Not one time in the Bible can I see God going and checking up on somebody's resume to determine what they can accomplish from there on out. Not one time. Not one time. In fact, it's almost like he's looking for the down and outers. It's almost like he's searching for the ones that have reached uh, rock bottom. He's looking. Why? Because uh, God loves putting you in situations that are beyond what you are able. Yes, that's what I said. We've probably heard the saying, God will not put something on you that greater than you can bear. Sure he will, because if it was all that you could bear, then he would never get involved. <laughs> yeah, that, that we're talking about vision. We're talking about something that's bigger than you. We're talking about something that's greater than you. We're talking about something that you cannot fulfill on your own. It's impossible to believe in what it can be when you are just constantly looking at and focused on what it has been. You go over and read the account of Abraham. I love the story of Abraham because we can read it in Genesis as it's happening. But then we can go to Romans chapter 4 and we can kind of get the play-by-play of what was going on inside of Abraham's mind as it was all taking place. And he says that he did not, he did not look at the, the barrenness of his wife's womb. He did not consider it. That word consider means attention and focus. What are you considering today? What are you focused on today? Because what you focus on is what determines where you end up. And some of you are saying, well, I don't know where I'm going to end up. That's because you don't know what you're focused on. We've got to have a fixed focus. Colossians, uh, Colossians chapter 3 tells us to set your mind. Set your mind. That means to fix It's immovable. No matter what happens, no matter what comes against me, no matter what what negative circumstance I could possibly go through, whether I'm in jail, Paul, whether I'm in jail, whether I'm in prison, whether they're, they're threatening to stone me, beat me, whether they're threatening to take my head off, I am fixed on the vision and the focus that God has given me because I know and I'm confident that he who began will complete. God doesn't leave anything undone. God won't leave your marriage undone. God won't leave your purpose undone. He won't leave your family undone. He didn't get you started on something that he can't see you through. 
the ability to arrive at the end is on you. Your focus, your attention. If we're constantly looking at what has happened, you will never see what it can be. God always speaks to what it can be, not what it is and not what it was. God always speaks to what it can be, not what it is, not what it was. Now, you probably know some people in your life that all they focus on in your life is what it has been and what it is, right? You get around them and they're always just telling you, man, you, you, I mean, there's no way you could do that. There's no way you could accomplish that. Look at all this. Look at what you've done. Look at your past. Look at your history. Look at the past behaviors. Look at the patterns. And patterns say something. I know people right now that are in patterns of destruction, but that never denies the vision that God has. Because your ability to focus on the vision will turn all that around. God can erase the worst past. That's his job. He's the best at it. He loves to do it. He loves to take the worst past and the worst histories and, and all the areas and the mistakes that we've made. He loves taking that stuff and getting out that eraser and, 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 and wiping it off. And now he's saying, forget what is behind. Now, a lot of times we just take this and we focus on, you know, yeah, negatives and, and failures and mistakes. But, but I think Paul's also talking about past successes. The greatest enemy of future success is current success. There might be some successes that you're still living in that are actually holding you back from the future that God has for you. The greatest enemy of future success is current. I've arrived. I got it. Some of us are living in in, in, in the past opportunities where we've seen God show up. And he's saying, I got so much more if you would just continue pushing, continue persevering. And, and, and we never want to become complacent. We never want to arrive at a place that, that, that says, I've, I've figured it all out. Paul says, I'm forgetting the things that lie behind. He's not just talking about negatives. He's not just talking about mess-ups and, and his terrible history of putting Christians in jail uh, and, and beating them and killing them and watching Stephen stoned to death before he came to Christ. He's talking about successes. He's talking about the great moments. But he says, you know what? I've got to forget all of it if I'm going to push, push ahead and persevere to what God has for me. Paul was driven by vision. He was driven by vision. He says, I forget what was behind. And I look ahead. I press toward the thing that is in front of me. In fact, Paul didn't allow his past uh, to, to destruct his vision so much so. If you go back to Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, watch this. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren... That the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Furtherance, that means moving forward. Moving forward, that means advancing. The advancement of the gospel. He says, uh, 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 you know, a lot of times we look at the opposition and, and, and we look at the things that are coming against us and the negative things that are happening like they're stopping us. And he says, no, 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 they've actually helped me move this thing forward. 
They've actually given me... See, nobody could steal Paul's influence. Wherever he was, whatever situation he was in, he was always influencing. He was tied up at the bottom of the dungeon with, uh, with Silas in Acts chapter 16. And they said, you know what? We ain't got anything else to do. Let's just have a good old church service right here. So we're going to praise God. We're going to magnify God. All the other jailer, all the other people in jail heard him. And then the place began to shake. And then the jailer's family, jailer and his family come to know Christ. In that moment where most of us would have been crying and weeping and saying, oh me, oh my, God has left me. Uh, God has, has uh, uh, abandoned me. And he said, no, 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 let's, let's make this thing a positive. I'm going to find a way to be an influence even in this moment. Nobody can rob you of your influence except you. Nobody has access to that. Nobody can deter you of your vision except you. There is not one person on the face of this planet that has that power over your life. All the people you've been blaming, all the people you've been putting it on, all the people you've been saying, if it wasn't for them, I'd be this. And if it wasn't for this, I'd have done it. Nope, you can't do that. Nobody can take your influence and nobody can rob you of your vision except you. But it's a matter of looking at what you do have instead of what you don't have. Amen. We've got to look at what we do have. Last week, we, 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 said we made this point that sometimes it's not that we need more of something. Sometimes it's that we need to do better with what we currently have. You don't need more money. Uh, you just need to do better with what you have. It's, you don't need a different marriage. You just need to do better with the current one you have. You don't need different kids. Amen. Uh, you just need to do better with the ones you have. You don't need a different job. We just need to do better with the one that we have. Amen. It's how we handle something that determines the outcome. We don't have to be in these situations of of negativity and everything's falling apart and my life's a mess. You still have vision and you still have influence. And God said, I'm convinced that whatever whatever I've started, I will continue and I will complete. Your outlook determines your outcome. Number two. Number two, your faithfulness determines your fruitfulness. Your faithfulness determines your fruitfulness. Throw that back up there, um, Philippians 1.6 in the Amplified, I think it was. The Amplified. The Amplified, it's louder. Okay, that's an old church joke. Y'all didn't get it. All right, moving on. And I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will what? Will what? Continue. See, a lot of us, we just want to get from A to B. And we miss the stuff in the middle. Aren't you thankful that God never, it doesn't say that he he gives up. He who began a good work, when it goes sour, gives up and abandons and leaves. No, he continues Until the day of Jesus Christ, that means the end, developing and perfecting and bringing. This is where we mess up. Uh, Even if you have a vision for your life, now you're asking, how do I get from point A to point B? 
And then in between point A and point B is all this squirrely stuff and all this, all the mess ups and the mistakes and, and the opposition and, and the stuff that, you know, you, you, you got married and then you know what your marriage, what you want your family to look like, what the vision you have for your marriage. But then something comes in and disrupts the flow. I heard this quote this past week at our event. Fruit is not the result of perfection, but it is always the result of faithfulness. Well, you need to get that in your life. You need to get that in your life. we're, we're We're trying to be perfect in the kingdom. We're trying to make sure we get it all right. Where every little slip up discourages us and moves us and gets us off course. And, and, and some of you, it takes you weeks to bounce back from, the, from a mistake. Some of you, it takes months. Some of you still haven't bounced back from years of mistakes. It's not perfection that determines fruit, but it's the faithfulness. What's that mean? Continuing and not giving up and pressing. Uh, didn't we see that word in here? Didn't we see the word press in here in Philippians chapter 3? Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. I may not be perfect, but I press on. But I press on. But I press on. Why? Because I may not be perfect, but I will be faithful. Amen. I may not be perfect, but I'm not going to stop. I may not be perfect. I may have messed up. I may have missed it. I may have hit some bumps in the roads. I may have even gotten off course. But I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue on my course of action. I'm going to press on. Press on. But I may press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Paul's saying that in, 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 even in my lapse of perfection, I still have a purpose. Even in the lapse of my perfection, I still have a purpose. You need to thank God for that. You need to thank God. I still have a purpose. Man, that was a big bump. Man, I didn't think I'd get over that one. Man, that was, a, that was more than a bump. That was a mountain. But you've, you've scaled the mountain, and you've climbed the mountain, and you've gone over the mountain. And now you need to be thankful that you still have a purpose. In spite of my errors, in spite of my mistakes, in spite of the opposition against me, I still have a purpose. Verse 14, in verse 14, he says, uh, uh, I press toward. I press toward. What are we continuing in? I press. What if, what if he just, what if he left out toward? What if he just said, I press? Because I know many of you in the room are thinking, I'm pressing. I'm pressing so hard, I'm wore out. I'm tired. I, I, I can't press anymore. It's not just effort that we're looking for. It's effort plus direction that will equal progress. I press toward. Some of us are pushing, but we're pushing in the wrong direction. Did you know that you could be successful in the wrong assignment? Miles Monroe said the, the, most, the, the, the greatest 
the, the, the greatest mistake in life is being successful in the wrong assignment. I want to be successful in the right assignment, in the right place, at the right time, like Esther, in due, in due season. For such a time as this, God is all about timing. God's all about timing. He's, he, he operates in seasons. Our lives are a result of ebbs and flows. Our lives are a result of seasons. Our lives, there's ups and there's downs. There's, there's mountaintops and there's valleys. But what you've got to recognize is you can't stop pressing. You can't discontinue. We've got to persevere. But we've got to press toward. I mean, if somebody asked you today, what are you pressing toward? Would you be able to answer them? Do you know? What is your toward? What is your toward? What are you going after? What are you pressing for? Because otherwise, you're just using up a lot of energy, but we're going in the wrong direction. For some of us guys, it's not time management that's the issue. It's energy management that's the issue. We're using a lot of energy and going in the wrong direction. Like my dad used to say, going, uh, what did he used to say? I don't remember, so I'll call him later and find out. Something about going nowhere fast. That's what he, he says, you're going nowhere fast. Anybody ever feel like that? Going nowhere? Quickly. <laughs> you're moving quickly. You're busy. The schedule's full. I'm not denying that. You've got effort. But are we being successful in the wrong assignment? So Paul says, your outlook determines your outcome. Your faithfulness determines your fruitfulness. And the last one that I want to highlight he, he doesn't say it, say it, but I think it's an underlying message that we need to get. That throughout this book, you'll never find Paul say something negative about his current situation. Paul was great at watching his mouth. Watching his mouth. My third point for you today, my third and final closing point. Your confession determines your direction. Your confession, see, I, I do them all catchy so you can remember stuff. That, this takes a lot of work. You don't know. You wonder what I do all week long. There's a lot more than that. Your confession determines. Paul never allows his confession to get off. Paul never allows his mouth to align with his current situation. Because he's recognized that the direction of my life is a result of the confession in my mouth. The direction of my life, where I'm headed, is a result of what I'm saying. This is not a, 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 a connection that you, don't, that you hear about in church. You might hear terms like, God is in control. And that he's sovereign and that whatever he wants is going to happen. Well, if that's the case, why, are we, why do we need to pray? Has anyone ever asked that question before? 
if he's going to do it how he wants to do it anyways, then why do I need to waste all my time praying that heaven will come to earth? Sure, he's sovereign, but you recognize he's sovereign over one thing, his word. He can't go back on his word. He's sovereign. He's in control of one thing, his word. But by his word, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he turned over all authority in the earth to you and I. Guys, if we're waiting on God to do something, he's waiting on us to do something. He's waiting on us. And what we've got to be careful of is when we're following the path and following what God has for our lives, many times we talk ourselves out of God's vision for us. Ask the Israelites in Numbers chapter 13. They get right up on top of the promised land, wandering around for 40 years in a wilderness. At this point, it hadn't been 40 years. They ended up wandering. The result was they wandered, going in circles, like a lot of people in the world today, because they talked themselves out of the very thing that God had talked them into. God was trying to talk them into the promised land, and they talked themselves out of it. We're, we're, we're nothing but grasshoppers in, inside of these guys. And they didn't even deny what they saw. They knew it was the promised land. They just didn't believe it was their promised land. That must have been promised for somebody else. Guys, we do this. We, we use our mouth to talk us out of the very things that God has already preserved for us. Your confession determines your direction. The worst thing you could do, the worst thing you could do in a moment uh, uh, where you're feeling pressure, in a moment where maybe the circumstance isn't aligning with the vision that God's giving, the worst thing you could do is run your mouth. Because you will disqualify yourself instantly with your mouth. If you have, you need to repent. Say, God, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Forgive me. For speaking against your will and your purpose for my life. If you can't say anything good, don't say nothing at all, right? Isn't that what they teach us? It's better to keep our mouth closed. But I'll tell you what, we've got a word full. You know, this is, this is the book that Paul writes. I can do all things through Christ. Are you kidding, Paul? You're in prison. What can you do? He says, no, no, no. I can still use my mouth to speak forth the vision that God has for my life. Not even prison can get me down. Not even the bottom can get me down. Guys, if you'll come. Not even the negative situations that I'm in. That doesn't determine the vision for my life. That doesn't determine the vision that God's given me. So I'm not going to align my mouth with what I see. I'm going to say what God sees. Guys, the key, the key is if you can align your mouth with what God says, then you will see what God sees. Did you get that? Did you get that? If you will say what God says, then you will see what God sees. Thank you for that one amen. If you will say what God says, 
you'll see what God sees. Do not let your mouth get off. Guys, we do this. I've done it. That's five years into ministry. That's five years of opportunities. And I've complained. Some of y'all know this story that when we we first started the church, we, we began in October 2011. And uh, by, by March of 2012, I was ready to go home. Wasn't quite that bad, but I was like, God, what you doing? You called us here. Where's it at? What are we looking at? Gave me a vision. I knew what our vision was. I, 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 I knew what I saw, but I wasn't currently seeing it. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself because in one of these weeks coming up, I'm going to talk about using what you have. But we were just complaining and talking about what we didn't have. And we'd say things like this. I know none of y'all have ever said this, but we, we said, we would say stuff like, if I had this, then I could do that, right? Y'all been there? Well, if I had that much money, I could. If I had that kind of marriage, I could. If I had that job, if I had that position, if I had that promotion, then I could. And and I was talking myself out of things that God was trying to talk me into. But in March of 2012, I went out to a conference. Tulsa, Oklahoma, heard someone speak on the message, use what you got. And I'm going to preach that message because your vision is already in your hands. Some of you are waiting for stuff to turn. And Paul's saying, no, no, no. You start saying it the way God says it, and you'll start seeing it the way God sees it. And we can use the most powerful tool you have to accomplish the vision that God has given you is right here on your face. And what you vocalize with your mouth will determine what you see in your life. I'm a firm believer in that. Without getting into the power of confession and the, the power of your words. What you say, you can have. You can have what you say if we can learn to align our mouth. Your outlook determines your outcome. Your faithfulness determines your fruitfulness, and your confession determines your direction. Father, we thank you this morning that you have given us a vision, a great vision. You've imparted it to us. We've seen glimpses of it, maybe not even in totality, Father, but but we know that the vision will and can come to pass. We stand firm on that. We're not moved by what we see. We're not moved by what we hear. We're not moved by how we feel. Stay steadfast in your word that you've spoken. And we align our mouth with what you have already said so that we can see what you've already seen, Father. Just as you did with Abraham, just as you did with Moses, just as you did with David, just as you did with Jesus, you'll do with us. You are faithful. We're convinced, assured that you will accomplish what you began We will continue with the work. We will not back down. We will not push away. We will push on, press on for all that you have for us. 
Father, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Our ushers are moving now. If you need an offering envelope,